everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're going to be recapping uh, the New York Red Bulls 2-3-3 draw with Louisville City FC. Uh, we're going to do our ex-New York Red Bull 2 report. We're speaking to Christian Inga, who is now a uh, digital... Uh, oh, I, I'm going to say his title wrong. That's terrible. He's a communications intern with the New York Red Bulls, uh, but he's also covered the New York Red Bulls, too, uh, as part of uh, MSU's um, Montclairian, I want to say it's called. Oh, I hope I got that right. Uh, right. <laughs> then we're going to be reca- uh, previewing the, the match against Atlanta United 2 this Friday at MSU, uh, talking about uh, a player that has now left the Red Bulls and signed with another team. And we're going to do a player highlight. We haven't done one yet this season, so it's exciting to get back to that. Uh, I apologize for the hijinks over the last couple of weeks, but I think we are now back to a regular lineup, and uh, we can all relax, take a nice deep breath, and we will not have Anthony hosting the show anymore, but he is here tonight. Hello, Anthony Merced. How are you? Well, I, I, I do have to say one thing, like, Yes, I turned up the personality. That's actually not very far from how our conversations actually go when we're outside not of the show. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so it wasn't actually that hard of a like a stretch for us to do that. <laughs> is it, I think what we learned is that we are annoying and people don't like us. <laughs> oh, Red Bull fans! Oh, psh, look, Red Bull fans are the most Especially sensitive anime. group. <laughs> That's true. That voice you heard, that heavenly voice, it belongs to the one, the only, Bill Toomey of Bill Toomey Photography. Hello, Bill. How are you tonight? I would be doing better if we had a win, but I'll take a tie and Anthony's back. So I guess uh, we're good. And we are on the cusp. I assume all of you don't have work tomorrow. Uh, but before we talk Fourth about that, yeah, 4th of July, uh, we can also say hello to Mr. Joe Steen of Once a Metro. How are you doing, Joe Steen? Great. I'm really happy you're back. Thank God. Don't tell Anthony, but he was horrible last week. Full disclosure. So I piped in once during the podcast. I was sitting there, my head slumped down, a hand across my forehead, just listening and praying for it to be over. I was in character, though. Like, had I not been in character, it would have been a lot different. No, not because of that, Anthony. Not because of you as a host, just because of how sick I was and how I wanted to just go to sleep. It was oh, well, it sounded a bit different there, Joe. <laughs> it did. That is it. You make, look, that's that's all in your mind. It's uh, Freudian, maybe. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. You guys got uh, 4th of July plans happening? You doing anything fun? Going to the beach. Nice. Just hanging out at home. I mean, We already had a cookout over the weekend, so. Oh, Nice. What about you, what about you Anthony? I'm having my first ever cookout in my new home. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, so right right before this, we, we put together our first uh, charcoal grill. Ooh, very nice. What'd you get, a Weber? Uh, yes, yeah, we got we got a Weber from uh, from Target. So, nice. so I don't have much of a yard. It, it's it's a front yard, and there's a little um, little concrete space off to the side. So we got one of those like smaller tailgating grills to just put out there and do stuff on. Very nice, very nice. Okay. Uh, this show is being uh, recorded from Lewis or Lewis. I don't know if it's Lewis or Lewis, Delaware. <laughs> yes, I, I'm in a vacation home with my family. Uh, so yeah, first recording in Delaware for the show. 
We will have a road trip coming up later this year, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Let's talk home about of the Wilmington, um, home of the Wilmington Blue Rocks minor league baseball team. Who there knows? Maybe one day there'll be a USL D3 team there. There you go. There was a Wilmington team, right? <laughs> no, that's Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, at least they got a baseball field to play on. Let, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about this match against Louisville City. Obviously, a little bit disappointing. They were down 2 nothing. They complete a full comeback and take the lead at 3-2. And then, uh, as has been typical over the last couple of months, they give up a late goal for a draw. There's a lot of stuff to, to kind of unpack here, but I want to start with what happened on that opening goal. Scott Levine, poor Scott Levine, first year with the team. And uh, Cameron Lancaster caught him way off his line and beat him from about 45 yards out. Ouch. Yeah, that's, yeah that's who wants to jump on this one? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll that's jump just, on That's it. just I mean, one of those goals. That it's you bad. <laughs> it yeah. pretty much sets how the entire game is going to go. Like, just to have that goal in the opening few minutes, it's just... Well, I, you know, I think arguably that it, it, the game kind of runs counter to that because they get that goal... They score again, you know, not long after that, and it looks like this is going to be just a uh, a complete ass kicking, and they dust themselves off at halftime and jump right back out there. A nice header from Brian White to open the scoring. They draw a penalty when the the goalkeeper and defender kind of run into Brian White uh, not long after that. Christian Caseras Jr. scores from the spot. And then there's this beautiful passing sequence between Lucas Stauffer, uh, Jose Aguinaga, and Tom Barlow that ends up uh, bringing the, the Red Bulls all the way back. And I thought there's going to be a lot of uh, celebration from us on this episode, and we're going to break down you know, what it took to, for them to come back. Arguably, I think it was a lot uh, uh, to do with the way that the midfield started to control the game a little bit more. Chris Lima playing a bit of a playmaker role from deep. And... Uh, Things fall apart in the end. Anthony, I know that you've talked poorly about Jordan Scarlett in the past. Are we looking at sort of his swan song with the team? Because, I mean, 2018 has not been kind to him. I, I don't know. I, I mean, he's gotten the minutes. I mean, at first it was the injuries last year. Um, there's a bit of the bug this year. But, I mean, he's gotten the time out there, and it's just not working. Um, I, I think that this defense in particular – um, over, especially over this last stretch, frustrating stretch of games, um, they get comfortable mm-hmm. at weird moments. Um, and it's like either at the start of the game or if the game is tied, it's not like, you know, you're getting comfortable when you're up three, nothing and you let one go. They, they have extremely, um, frustrating focus issues at important parts of the game. And I think that Obviously, youth has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Scarlett needs a um, I, look. The, the, the guy's got the ability there. Like we, we've seen it on you know in, in other areas, but maybe he needs a veteran right next to him. But you know this team isn't going to put one there. So it, it, we're getting really close to the point where you've got to you've got to cut bait. Very interesting, Josteen. Counterpoint. Uh, don't really have a counter. <laughs> Uh, they've been very frustrating to watch, especially when you bring on another defender late in the game like that. You figure, all right, this is the time to lock up the game. And then a ball gets crossed in and there's a free runner for the header for the game tying goal. It's just that that just can't happen. 
um, it's been extremely frustrating to watch them try and defend leads over the past few games. I mean, Bethlehem, it happens. They're up 2 nothing with six minutes to go, and they give that away. And then this game, they fought. They, they, they fight all the way back. They look like, you know, they're going to see the game out. There's only about two minutes left, and then they give up a goal. So it's very frustrating to see. And uh, I have to agree with Anthony, unfortunately, as, as much as it pains me to do that. Uh, I just think that it, it's, it's it might be a little too late, too little, too late. Yeah, and you know, it, it could be nagging injuries that uh, maybe he's not getting past. But the, there's definitely something that's missing this season so far that that we didn't really see during his really impressive run last year. Uh, Bill, Chris Lima took up the quarterback spot in the second half and really was just kind of pinging balls long and seeing what he could get away with. Obviously, uh, the inclusion of Tom Barlow a little bit later helped that out. But Brian White was doing a lot of that work of just running down balls and trying to keep things together. And uh, is that is that maybe what we're going to start to see to, to kind of draw them back into some of these games? They have to abandon um, maybe that, that, that you know, uh, fifth gear approach and kind of look to to play a little ugly at times yeah i mean especially you know if you're on the road right because on the road is always harder and you need to kind of catch up and score that extra goal you're definitely gonna have to go into that fifth gear to do that and and white's been he's been playing pretty good i mean that header wasn't was an awesome shot too so i definitely think he has the ability to to step up there yeah and a big opportunity we'll talk a little bit more about it later but uh, it's clear that he's going to be the first choice uh, starting uh, striker from from this point forward, uh, unless Tom Barlow uh, really changes things up, I think, uh, and starts he, finding he the back of the net regularly. He did put in a good shift, though. I did he like did. what I from from him. I mean, in fact, you know, he draws the penalty, and the fact he took the he took the uh, the third goal so well too. I mean, uh, great combination play, and he's able to slot that in the corner, which wasn't easy. Yeah, but I. I, I liked a lot uh, what I saw from him a lot this game, and he's got a big opportunity, as you mentioned now, because uh, of a certain striker that departed the club. Right. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting going forward. But uh, again, I, Chris Lima really was pulling the strings in this game, though, from uh, a playmaking perspective. Big time for Tom Barlow. One of the things that uh, I was talking about with him was he, he reminds me a lot of. Uh, Kenny Cooper, where he's got that that huge frame, and you would think he would just be this like knockdown, take no prisoners striker, uh, but he doesn't really play the game that way. He plays uh, with the ball at his feet a lot. Uh, he's very fast. He he's a little bit more of the of a passing sort of option, a, a withdrawn forward uh, type role maybe would best suit him. But I think he re- they really need to coach him into to playing to his frame because I think it would really benefit the team. Um, okay, let's talk man of the match. Uh, who you got? Start with Bill. Uh, Brian White for me. Okay. Uh, Joe. I uh, would we'll go with Tom Barlow. Okay. Anthony? I'm going to agree with Bill and say um, Brian White. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm going against everybody. Uh, par for the course, I know. I'm going to give it to Christian Caceres. We didn't really talk about him a lot, but... He did a lot of really hard work in the second half that kind of helped um, solidify the midfield and, and take Louisville out of the match a little bit. So, uh, White, Barlow, 
uh, and Gazeras, congrats, man of the match. All right, moving on. The X New York Red Bull Two report. I should probably add music again to this. I'll uh, I'll keep track of time. Uh, Rafi Diaz did not play in Sac Republic's two nothing loss to Fresno FC. It's looking more and more uh, every day that he's not going to be really a part of that Sac Republic team. Noah Powder not in the eighteen for for Orange County SC's one nothing loss to Phoenix Rising. Dan Metzger started and played seventy nine minutes for Penn FC in their one one draw with Indy Eleven. We'll get to the, a little more details on that in a minute. Junior Fleming's not in the 18 for Tampa Bay Rowdy's 2-2 draw with Charlotte Independence. Brandon Allen uh, started, played 90 minutes in a 2-0 loss uh, to the Indy 11 uh, for Nashville SC. And in a second game, he started and played 77 minutes uh, in a 3-0 win over Atlanta United 2, and he scored a goal in that match. Corey Herzog... Not in the 18 for St. Louis's 0-0 draw with RGV. I've said it over a couple weeks. I think he might be hurt because he hasn't been on the team, but I have <laughs> not followed up that uh, to find out. Kyle Rainish uh, played in one of the two matches for Fresno FC this week. He started in a one nothing loss to uh, SLC and then did not uh, make the bench for their 2 nothing win over Sac Republic. Zach Carroll... Reno 1868, they are on a huge unbeaten streak. We mentioned it last week. Um, wow. They, they really turned around their slow start. He started, played 90 minutes, and a one nothing win over Portland Timbers 2, which is, if anybody's following the West this year, Timbers are very, very good, so that's a big win for them. Conrad Pleva was not, or sorry, he was on the bench for, for Real Monarchs, but did not play in their one nothing win. I wrote over SLC. <laughs> 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 uh, that should be Fresno FC. Oops. Uh, Speedy Williams, uh, Louisville City. We know that he started and played 90 minutes in the 3 3 draw with New York Ripples, too. But he also started and played 90 minutes in a 1 0 loss to the Pittsburgh River Hounds, who are still rocking and rolling. Uh, Mike DeFanta, Phoenix Rising, he started and played 90 minutes in their 1 0 win over Orange County, and he picked up a yellow card. Carl we met had the strangest week of any of our ex-Red Bulls. He started it and played 90 minutes in a 2-0 win over Nashville and scored a goal in that match. And then uh, the very next match, he started and played 76 minutes in a 1-1 draw with Penn FC and drew a red card. <laughs> so he That's got a goal. Week. Yeah, then a red card. A crazy week. Hopefully he didn't kick anybody in the back. Last but not least, uh, Zico Lewis with FH Hafnarf Yardar. He did not play in their 3-2 loss to Shjarnan. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the ex-Red Bull 2 report. Is it? Yeah, I'm going to need about a a two-and-a-half-minute track, so I'll figure that out after the show. (laughs) there. Uh, Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Christian Inga, the uh, Red Bull's communications intern. Stick around. And we're back. 
We are now joined by a Red Bull communications intern and uh, one-time uh, journalist following the, the New York Red Bulls, too. It's Christian Inga. How are you doing, Christian? Great. Doing fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. So uh, I think for the most part, a lot, fans of the team should at least be happy with uh, getting a point in Louisville or at least heading into that match. I think a lot of people were expecting them to get run over. I thought they showed really well, but of course they have that breakdown at the end. Uh, what, what did you see, and, and what do you think about uh, the team's performance over the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, this team is kind of, uh, I guess, weird. I mean, we, are, we go up, then we go down, then we go up again and down again. Uh, last game, you know, the team showed a lot of heart coming down, coming back from a 2-0, being down 2-0. Um, definitely... Uh, I guess, like everybody else, disappointed at the result. Um, again, not being able to hold on the last couple of minutes. So, New York Red Bull 2 has been such an interesting experience. And maybe you can talk to us a little bit, having followed the team and now, you know, being we're working so closely with them. Um, identity, you know, we see a lot of players obviously uh, make the identity of a team. But this one changes so often. Uh, what do you think is the identity of the New York Red Bulls 2? Well, I mean, definitely, as uh, Coach John Wallinick has said many times, you know, it's really hard with uh, the players often shifting from the first team to the second team. And uh, he definitely said uh, it's something we need to embrace more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, this season has been a tough season, really tough season, uh, especially in away games where many times, you know, the team's been uh, close to achieving, like, the first road victory. And, like, like we saw last week at Louisville, um, it going downhill. But, yeah, I mean... Definitely the identity of this team is to, I guess, produce players for the first team. But, uh, I mean, it's been tough to do that at the same time and achieve results. So, I mean, it's a really tough thing with uh, with the team like New York Red Bulls, which, um, you know, it's one of the few teams that actually produces players for the first team. Do you remember when you first heard of the Red Bulls? I'm, I've always been a fan of MLS, um, but uh, Red Bulls... Um, I guess when I was like maybe 15, uh, 14, I haven't been a fan of like the, the um, I've always watched them less, but like I started being like a diehard Red Bull fan at the age of like, I guess, 14, 15. Uh, what got you into covering soccer specifically? Yeah, so um, I always, um, when I was small, like every other kid who, uh, who uh, played soccer uh, and was good at it, um, I always wanted to be a professional soccer player. And um, as I grew older, I started realizing, you know, maybe that's not really what I want, but I still want to, I guess, um, have something to do with the game. So I guess the next thing close from a player who's on the pitch is the people who are outside on the pitch on the sideline. So then I decided to, I wanted to be a reporter on uh, not just soccer, on other sports too, but primarily soccer. So uh, that, and since then, it's just been trying to, I guess, pave my way. And luckily, now I'm here with the Red Bull, so uh, it's going well. So when I met you last year, I believe you were covering uh, the team for uh, Montclair. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So uh, when at what point did you find out you know the team was going to be playing matches there and uh, uh, see that opportunity for you to start you know spreading uh, maybe your wings a little bit more and covering a professional team? Yeah. So uh, it's funny actually. Um, don't remember exactly when I found out, but I, rem- I remember finding out, and I was super excited. Um, I knew that our team was going to have was going to probably get someone to cover it. Um, I was just hoping that no one had asked before me 
So I remember that week uh, going to uh, the, finding out, you know, who was the sports editor of our school newspaper, the Montclairian. Uh, I found out where his office was, and it was really hard to track him down. I remember finding uh, the sports editor one day just in his office, um, just simply on a lunch break. Uh, I asked him, you know, I Red Bulls tour playing here. I heard uh, I would love to cover them. He's like, sure. So, uh, yeah. Um, thankfully, I was the first one to ask. And, uh, yeah. It's always nice when the opportunity uh, presents itself that way. Yep. Yeah, that's so funny because even for me covering um, Red Bull 2, I initially with Empire Soccer had the, uh, the the Cosmos beat. And I remember calling Dave Martinez and saying, hey, Cosmos aren't on. I think it was on SNY. They were. I was like, they're not on TV anymore. Um, you know, this Red Bull 2 thing seems to be something. Do you need someone to cover it? And he was kind of like, really? You want that beat? Um, but uh, anyway, question-wise, um, you know, Montclair has, has a long – Montclair – has a long history with Red Bull um, dating back to training and all, you know, U.S. Open Cup games, all kinds of stuff. Um, how do you think their relationship with now with Red Bull 2 having a home there, how do you think that that's, that relationship has grown? I believe it's grown a lot. Like, even before Red Bulls 2, Monklers had, like, a big relationship with, like, other soccer teams. Um, I remember I remember prior to being a student at Monclair, going to Monclair to watch a, a huge amount of teams train, um... Ecuador trains there when they have friendlies, and you have a uh, Peru's trained there for friendlies. So, uh, part of the reason why me going to Montclair is because of that relationship with soccer, and then with Red Bulls too, it only makes it bigger. You know, um, our this year, as soon as school starts, like September, our radio station is going to start broadcasting um, their games. So they're looking for people. Uh, then we have a school newspaper and Mon. Then, uh, obviously, the possibility of kids like me who are interning now at Red Bulls thanks to that uh, thanks to that collaboration between our school and team. So, definitely, I only see it getting bigger. That's pretty cool they're going to put on the radio. What are some of your main goals at Red Bulls? My main goals are, um, I know, to I, one of the main things I wanted to do as soon as I got up there was uh, to put out content, which... Uh, in the process of working on, but I really wanted to put on content focusing on how I just found uh, that being a fan, a lot of times I've like found fans saying, um, Oh, where'd this player come from? And then not knowing that, you know, we, these players, we're not, you know, buying these players are players who were producing. Um, I just, that um, when, um, when Red Bulls played, I believe it was, what team was it? I believe it was the Saunders. I believe Ethan Cutler on that game had like two assists. I remember um, hearing uh, even my brother and hearing fans saying, "Oh, you know, where'd that player come from? I've never heard of him." So I just find I just feel like you know, I wanted to produce content where uh, I'm you know I'm telling fans like we're producing these players because Red Bulls is one of the few MLS teams that does that. You know. Yeah, that's a big part of why the shift started. Those picture that people saw uh, the the future prospects, or at least get some more visibility on those guys. Yeah. So, what exactly um, is your like after like you know your internship with the Red Bulls? Like, what do you want to do? Like, what's your like dream job? My dream job is uh, to be a soccer reporter. Uh, work for uh, you know. Like Fox Sports, maybe uh, Univision Sports, which has grown pretty big since they've started in terms of soccer. I just want to stay close to the game, really close to the game. Um, 
covering, whether it be a individual club, whether it just be the sport in, in general. But uh, anything that keeps me close to the game is my dream job. Uh, most trying trying to be a on TV personality. That's excellent, Christian. Uh, before we we cut you loose, and of course, you know you've been excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to subject you to the lightning round, uh, which has uh, destroyed many a man. Are you ready? I'm excited. Let's go. <laughs> Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Russia versus Spain. Fix or unlucky? <laughs> Ask Spain on that one. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Brazil or Belgium? Brazil. Uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario? That's easy. Super Mario. <laughs> What's your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Barcelona. Fortnite, yes or no? Oh. No. Ooh. Okay. Willie Whitelaw is the greatest, yes or no? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, trying to trap you there. I didn't get you. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> Christian, again, thank you so much for coming on. You survived the lightning round. Uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again at a game in the future. Same. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And when we come back, we're going to be previewing this weekend's game against Atlanta United 2, Friday night at Montclair. Stick around. And we're back with our final segment. Let's start with previewing this match against Atlanta United 2. Uh, they started the season with a huge win over the Red Bulls, a 3 nothing win, uh, and since then things haven't gone so great. They are 2-8-5 overall with a negative 15 goal differential. They are 0-3-2 in their last five losses against North Carolina, Indy 11, and Nashville, and they drew the Tampa Bay Rowdies and Charlotte Independents. They don't have a lot of uh, uh, big-name players that... Uh, you would necessarily speak of. Andrew Carlton, obviously, is, is one guy that you should keep an eye on. John Gallagher uh, provided most of their uh, early season um, oomph, but they, they really haven't done a whole lot. They look like a team that's not really um, necessarily uh, consistent enough to, to really get a good idea of who's going to be out there and have a... Um, a clear idea of how they're going to approach each match. But these these are our points for the taking. They're playing a poor team. They're low on the table at home. They need to win these matches. They can't have uh, what happened to them against Ottawa last, or, well, last time out at Montclair, that is. Uh, and they need to, to continue to maximize points at home because they're showing that they can't do it on the road. Uh, Joe Steen. Having watched this Red Bull 2 team and the sort of Jekyll and Hyde nature of what they've done over the last couple of weeks, this is their next three matches. They're all at home, Atlanta United 2, Richmond Kickers, Bethlehem Steel. Why will they not pick up maximum points here against these three teams? Uh, they won't because Bethlehem Steel seems to have their number lately. Uh, other than that, I think they will beat both Atlanta 2 and the Richmond Kickers. Aside from the 
debacle that was the Ottawa game. They've looked very good at home. They seem to play a lot better, even you know w- with moving to Montclair. Outside of the Ottawa game, they've looked great. I mean, they took apart Charlotte Independence at home, who's a good team. They just seem to find that, I don't know what it is, but they seem to find something at home. I guess they like playing there in front of the crowd and on that field, and they just seem to find something. But I don't think they'll pick up maximum points. I do think they'll draw Bethlehem. Well, let's talk about this Atlanta United team. They had their number earlier in the season. Uh, John Gallagher was all over this team. I think he scored twice in that match. Uh, What is it? Yep. You know, is it just the speed or was it still because that was early days? The back line was not exactly what it is right now. They were playing those five in the back, uh, still early part of the season. Uh, are we? Is it even worth comparing those two matches? Obviously, there's not a great video to even look at uh, from that first one. But uh, should we write that off, or should we just say this needs to be three points against the lower uh, lower table team? I'd write it off, and I would say it needs to be three points. They need to beat this team. This team hasn't played very well. They've they're you know they've only taken two points on the road this year. They've been pretty bad, and those two points I believe were earlier in the season. I would just write this game that game off because they were still experimenting with the formation, and and they seem to have their shape now of what they want and who they want out there. So I think this game is going to be a runaway. Anthony, counterpoint, Josie. Uh, oof. Um, it's going to be hard to, I mean, this is a bad Atlanta team. And I don't want to say that like, that like they're a bad Atlanta team to, pro- they're kind of intentionally meant to be bad. It's, um, they operate very similar to how, um, La Liga two teams operate, which is no one really cares about the results. And they're kind of trying to burn through guys to see, like, it's almost like attrition to see who's good enough to stick around. Um, which is a bit different than the way Red Bull 2 operate, which is they are actually trying to be competitive. I, I don't buy for a second that Atlanta United 2 isn't trying to do anything more than weed through the muck and try to get players for, you know, that they pieces for the first team. Um, they, they There's no excuse. Red Bull 2 does not get this game. I mean, does not take three points from this game and serious questions need to be asked as to, what kind of decline this team has seen over the last two years. Well, one serious question that I think absolutely needs to be asked is, has this team ever lost on Dollar Hot Dog Night? This is happening this Friday. It is a Dollar (laughs) Hot Dog Night game. I'm pretty sure the team has maximized points in those matches. Bill, uh, do you have any insight? And how many hot dogs will you be eating if you attend this Friday's match? Hey, man, it's all about the power of the hot dogs. And I think the next few games even after the Atlanta game, are on Friday nights. So we have quite a few Friday night games coming up. But as in regards to that game, I definitely would not pay attention to the first game of the season, especially since I believe it was on the on the road, if I'm correct. Road, so yeah. I think the power of the hot dogs and uh, just playing at home is going to help on Friday night. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Let's hear <laughs> predictions. I'll start with you, Anthony. I'm saying 3 nothing Red Bull 2. Okay, Bill? I'm going to go with 2 nothing. Red Bulls 2. Okay, Justine? I'm going to go 4-1. Now, I'm going to say that uh, Atlanta has scored exactly one goal in the last five matches, uh, which surely will be broken here. I think it's going to be a tighter game than you're all saying, so I'm going to say it's 3-2. 
but a New York Red Bulls win. Two goals? Yeah, I think they're going to give up two goals. Damn. <laughs> Joey's always got to be putting the team down. You, you, you had the back line. The back line has to prove Goldstein wrong this week, right? So look, over the last what four games for the Red Bulls, they have given up uh, nine, eleven goals. <laughs> It's not okay, but Atlanta. Atlanta's like playing a team. Uh, Atlanta United Two is like playing a team in FIFA on on novice. Like this is not you know like le- like legit. Like they, this is not a good team in the front or in the back. We'll see. We'll see. Is all I will say to this. I'm gonna, if they I'm get, gonna call if you they wrong. Get two goals. There's a serious problem. Not necessarily. As long as you get three points, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter how many goals you give up. It's true. Price six. Unless uh, a goal differential is, I mean, look at all the goals. Good. Look at all the goals they gave up last year, and they still made the playoffs and shut Charleston out in the first round. Sure did. Okay, uh, that is good for predictions. Let's move on. Uh, reminder to anyone: the Red Bulls are now five, five, and seven. Uh, they are at twenty-two points. That puts them in ninth place. They have a game in hand on most of the teams in front of them. Um, two games in, or sorry. Most of the teams in front of them have a game in hand or two games in hand on them. So they do have their work cut out for them over the next couple of weeks. It is so critical they pick up at least six points over these next three games. Uh, moving on, Stefano Bonomo announced shortly after our show last week uh, that he was waived by the New York Red Bulls. Um, I confirmed that he would not be sticking around and uh, signing a two-team contract. He has now moved on to Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, Stefano was a terrific guest. He was on the show twice. It was always a pleasure having him here. Uh, he was always terrific to talk to. And it was fun watching him play over the last couple of seasons. Anybody want to, uh, you know, lock into that, whether or not this is a, uh, a huge mistake for the Red Bulls or what you expect for him to do uh, in the future? I have, a, I have a very real question here. Mm-hmm. If, if they didn't want him, right, wh- why... And, and this is an American sports question. Why could they not trade him for something to another team? Why is it that like when a guy like this leaves, they get nothing in return? I think there's, like, a, there's a simple answer for that. There needs to be a market for him, and nobody was interested. It's, it's a sad thing for MLS, but that's the way it goes. And because but, he was but, on, he was, but the next day he signs with Tampa Bay, so obviously there's interest in him. Right, but you can't trade from MLS to USL as far as I can tell. Um, sure, but you, you, you tell him, be like, hey, like where do you, and this happens in sports all the time. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, we're going to cut you, but we want to, we want to work something out with you. So here's a deal. We're going to, we're going to help you get a deal somewhere else, but we would like to get something for you. It happens in every other American sport all the time. And I think it's something that needs to start happening here because okay. he's, yeah. he got traded in the, in the conference, not traded. He signed to a team in the conference. This isn't like he went to Orange County right. and he's not really going to bother anybody. This is a guy that could burn the Red Red Bulls too in the playoffs. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. To be playing along with you know two of his former teammates. Yeah, Can you yeah. imagine a, a pass so from far. across from Junior Fleming to Stefano Bonomo that eliminates the uh, the Red Bulls season in the playoffs? Yes, a hundred percent. Because I've been rooting for the Metro <laughs> Red Bulls for years. That's how every one of these That's things. So goes. Metro. But I agree with you. There should be some kind of mechanism in place where teams can uh, move players. That, that's the next part of like this 
integration of the way that USL and MLS are working together is there needs to be some kind of business um, uh, agreements in terms of the way that players move between teams. Anybody else want to say you know a thank you or uh, uh, throw a prediction on how many goals Stefano will end up by the end of the season? I'm going to say he gets six. Okay. See that? I, I'm going to say he's going to become the penalty kick taker. Interesting. Okay. We'll see. Um, Tampa Bay obviously is having a real rough time. Uh, and hopefully things work out there when they picked up uh, who I think is a terrific player. Let's move on to the player highlight. We're going to be talking about uh, players all season long on the New York Red Bulls 2. You may or may not have watched any of these games. Maybe you just like to listen to the podcast uh, to get some insight on what's going on. So we like to talk about players to, to give you a bit of an idea of what you might expect from these guys or what kind of qualities they have that um, make them exciting prospects. Tonight we're talking about Brian White. He was a draft pick for the New York Red Bulls, but they were very, very familiar with him uh, as he played for the U23s and lit up uh, scoring in the PDL. Uh, let's talk about his qualities. Uh, Jostine, what is one quality of Brian White that is um, exceptional? His scoring ability. Uh, he had, you know, early in the season, first game, I think he had some jitters, but he's really come around and he can score some uh, really nice goals. I mean, he had the bicycle kick against. Um, I think it was against Atlanta, and then he had the diving header over the weekend against Louisville. So the, he can score from basically anywhere with either foot. Um, he's dangerous, very dangerous inside the box. Okay, Bill, what's one of his qualities that, that you admire? I was going to say his goal scoring because uh, he's had six goals so far this year that have all been from inside the box. Very nice. Uh, Anthony? I think he shows really good hold-up play when he has to and um, able to connect well with the with the midfield. Sometimes I wish that this team would play a 4-4-2 because I think he would really work well with another striker up top um, that maybe is a bit more selfish, mm-hmm. that he can get get a bunch of assists or maybe like just stand there and, and eat a bunch of rebounds up. Uh, but you know, yeah, he's he shows a lot of effort there in that in places that aren't just in front of the net. The three things I wrote down for him is uh, his speed is a terrific asset. Uh, he's not—I don't think he's blazing fast, but he he could definitely occupy a back line and open up space. He's deceptive, yeah, back. with his with his running. Uh, he's got great attacking instincts in terms of uh, being in the right place at the right time uh, and taking those chances. I think he, he's at a place that we saw Bradley Wright Phillips a couple of years ago where uh, he might have like 10 shots in a match and they're all off target, uh, but he'll, he'll be able to <laughs> knock a couple in. I think that, I think that Brian White is, is like that. He's a little bit snake bit, but uh, I think you know seeing him in those positions and, and having those uh, sort of um, uh, failures in those spots will only help him. And he's very opportunistic in terms of, of not wasting chances by trying to needlessly uh, dribble or, or take touches. But, Anthony, I will disagree with you in terms of uh, a couple areas where I think he can improve. I'm not sold on his older play. I think that uh, maybe he rushes things a little bit. He's getting better at it, but I think there's a lot to that that, that could still improve. I didn't say he was great at it. I said that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the points of his game, and that's why I said another striker right next to him. 
I think it really helped yeah. him grow in that area. Yeah, and I do agree with that. I think that would be good for him because I. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josie. I do want to see the Charlotte game. Like gave us a little bit of a taste of what he could do because he was instrumental in, uh, I believe, a couple of the goals with a couple of the flicks he made. Mm-hmm. But um, I do want to see a little bit more, like you said, out of him. I, like, I want to see him be able to hold up the ball for you know runners to you know get in positions where he could where he could uh, lay it off to a midfielder and they could get it to the wing or something like that. But I, I, I agree. I think it's hold up play. It does. That's one of the areas he needs a little bit more work. And the other thing that I think that he that would really help him out in terms of the way that he approaches the game is creating his own shots. Cause he doesn't do a lot of that. There's a, he, he's when I say that uh, he's, he's like Brandon Allen in terms of the way that um, uh, he's an attacking player. I don't mean that in any kind of way other than saying uh, he's not, he's, he's a no frills sort of striker. He's not going to, you know, try to dribble through a bunch of um, defenders and then take a shot. He, he's very, very much meat and potatoes, trap the ball, uh, go for goal. So I'd like to see him, you know, be a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more savvy at times uh, to help create shots where there aren't any because that would help the team to just continue to, to, to sort of put a little bit more pressure on goal. Cool. <laughs> I, 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 I'd agree. I mean, like, I feel like at times he's not selfish. Like you said, like he's, he's not selfish enough. Like he tries to make the pass, like a right. pass that isn't there or something like that. Yeah. And, the- and it would be cool to see him uh, take some more shots from outside of the box, which yeah. kind of relates to your point there too, because it seems like most of his, pretty much all of his goals have been from inside of the box too. So it would be cool to see some shots from outside the box. The whole team needs to start doing that. Yes, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Uh, and that's, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing if a player is you know more comfortable taking shots in the box. But yeah, just getting a little bit more variety to your attack is always a good thing. Well, it's like the first team in Lawrence, right? He just you know he yeah. cuts one from outside <laughs> the box, and hey man, it went in the net. So yeah. you never know. That was a terrific win over Toronto FC. Uh, by terrific, I mean nerve-wracking because Robles had to stand on his head. But whatever, a win is a win. Uh, the last thing I think he needs uh, more than anything is for um, the the staff to just pick a position for him and play him in that position. I don't think he works well bouncing uh, to the wings. I think you see a lot of times he kind of drifts out of the game or doesn't necessarily know uh, how to perform that role. So I, I would prefer them to just say, you were a striker, you're going to play up top. End of story. Yeah, I'd, yep. I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. You know, they tried him with Bonomo a little bit and it didn't work. It, he seemed to drift more, in and out of, more out of the game than be in it. Like, yeah. he, he wasn't even on the ball that much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, and the last part of this is he someone who has the ability to play in MLS one day? Do we think he's going to be a success story like uh, a Florian Velo or sort of a, I don't feel comfortable necessarily calling uh, Bonomo a failure, uh, but someone who's going to wash out of the system? I'll start with you, Justine. I'm going to say, yeah, he'll, he'll be, he'll, he's going to have like a Florian Velo type thing where he, I think it's going to take two years, but I think he'll be there. Okay. Bill? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Joe Steen. I think that it might take a little bit of time, but they, he definitely has the firepower to help out with the first team if they need somebody up front. So I could definitely see that happening. Anthony? 
Um, I can see it happening in MLS. I don't think it's going to happen with the New York Red Bulls. I think that they have reached a very huge saturation point with a lot of their talent, and they're going to need to clean house to make room for a guy like him at this point. Okay, fair. I mean, look, Bradley Wright Phillips is 33 this year. You can't expect him to continue to carry the team you know, for the next four or five years. So it's going to depend on, I guess, uh, his body of work over that time. And hopefully we get to see some real good stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that he's someone who can, you know, do something in MLS, but it's going to take some time to see. That's the end of our show, guys. We did it. We completed a show in Delaware from a bathroom. <laughs> I have a urine Delaware in a bathroom. That's right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> first time for everything <laughs> oh yeah yeah I, I i didn't mean to imply that you are all in the bathroom with me although in a lot of ways you are in this bathroom with me and i well, see your, your faces not on, so staring good. back at me in this mirror <laughs> i can do bloody oh, mary you want me to do bloody mary real quick <laughs> no you gotta do uh you gotta do biggie smalls biggie smalls <laughs> Do you not see that South Park episode where it's just like if you if you say Biggie Smalls in the mirror three times, he shows up and shoots you? I am very unaware of that. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that episode. That's a good episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, we can sign off now. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at NYC Sports World. And go listen to Cage Town on the WWPN, the MMA podcast I'm on. Ooh. Ooh, okay. I'm at Bill TNJ. I am at JSteen15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. One of the worst parts of listening to last week's episode was listening to Anthony uh, Butcher, our Twitter handle. <laughs> to be fair, I literally got the notice that I was going to host that show two minutes before. That's, we off that's 100% true. <laughs> I was like, I cannot do this. I need to help. Uh, you can follow us at Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to RaisingBulls.com where we post all of our episodes. Uh, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. You can find us, rate us, review us. It's all good, and it helps us out so much. Hashtag Merced out. We are part of the Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM. They've got great shows like Rising is One, Phoenix Rising, Sock Takes, Bethlehem Blast Furnace, Foxtrot, Backyard Footy, Texas Soccer Radio, Down in the Valley, and Speedway Soccer, and so much more. Seriously, guys, these are fantastic podcasts. If you want to stay up to date on USL from around the league, please go find these shows. They're at BGN.FM. And they're also fantastic. Find them and rate them and review them on <laughs> uh, uh, iTunes and whatever else uh, because it will help them out too. And, of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, Anthony Merced, Bill Toomey, Joe Steen, and Christian Inga, thank you very much, and now I'm off to have my ties. Mm-hmm.